0: Welcome back into the Trojan Talk podcast. I'm Ryan Young, your host, also the publisher of Trojansports.com. And this will be one of our longest podcasts that I can recall doing because there was a, should we call it divisive or polarizing or just, let's just say there, uh, there was a story this week that really moved the needle across the USC spectrum from fans to administration. And I'm, of course, talking about the the efforts to launch a donor-led USC NIL collective called Student Body Right, great name, despite the very clear sentiment from USC officials that it does not want there to be a donor-led collective. And that is why USC launched Boulevard, uh, which is just getting up and going. Athletic Director Mike Bone came out with a very firm statement about where he stands on that. But the gentlemen, the USC fans, the longtime fans behind the Student by the Right Collective, Dale Reck and Bill Haddon, see things a little differently. And they started this four or five months ago, and, and they're going to press on. And they think that both Student by the Right and Boulevard can operate in the same space. I think they do things a little differently. There is a lot of overlap. I'm going to get into all that for you. That was just kind of one of the big stories of the week because obviously uh, collectives and NIL is just a uh, ever-present matter of importance in college football and college football recruiting. And so I thought you know, we, we had the big story uh, after the LA Times broke their story. We came out with a follow-up uh, talking to Dale Reck from the collective side. Uh, but this is an issue that needed to be explored much deeper, much more in-depth. And so I was very excited to put together this show. We covered all angles. We're going to have at the top of the show, Ryan Carchie from the LA Times, who put the story out there about student body right and what they're trying to establish. And he'll be kind of a a table setter for our discussion. And he's the person who's talked to all sides the most. And so I wanted to get his perspective and he put a lot of time and reporting into that story. It was very good. And so we'll start there. Then we're going to hear from the principal people themselves in all of this. Uh, Dale Reck and Bill Haddon from Student by the Right were very generous with their time to come on this show for an hour and kind of lay out their vision and why they think it's necessary even with the presence of Boulevard and why they think they're different and some other key points, some clarification and messaging they wanted to get out there, which I think is valuable. Then I have on, to close the show, Michael Calvin Jones is back on the program, the CEO of Stay Doubted, which is the third party USC partnered with to launch Boulevard. And he gives a good update on where things stand with Boulevard, what's coming uh, very soon, later this month, as they what they consider really their full rollout is still underway. His reaction to the student body right endeavor and his communication with them and, and all that. So I think we set the record straight on a lot of things from all sides. Before I get into the interviews, I'm also going to play you some comments from Lincoln Riley at the top of the show. I want to play you part of a conversation I had with Riley at Pac-12 Media Day. Now, when he was up on the main stage at Media Day, he was asked about NIL. But I talked to him one-on-one before that. We had a good conversation, and I asked about NIL, but also Boulevard and collectives. And this was before I knew anything about student body right. Uh, and I just kind of kind of held on to it for a week and a half. I was waiting for the right time to use it, and the right time made itself very obvious. Uh, but I want you to hear the uh, the actual conversation I had with him. It's just those two questions. It was a 10-minute conversation, but we covered a lot of topics, so I just want to focus on those two questions. And Then he was asked uh, Friday after practice his reaction to the student body right development, and I'll have that for you here too before we get into the show. As it's a pretty jam-packed show as is with, with three guests and, and some long segments, I don't want to take up too much air time at the start here, but there is just one thing I do want to talk about, it's a, it's a misconception that I feel is out there by fans regarding this whole topic we're discussing, you know, certainly you can see it on, on our message board and on others that there is a lot of, you know, not a lot of benefit of the doubt is being given to the Boulevard crew because many USC fans look around the country and they, they see all these quote collectives taking charge and making big impacts in recruiting Especially in the southeast, no need to even get in the specific names of schools and programs and recruits at this point. It's just it's a conversation that everyone knows is out there. But many fans think to win in recruiting right now, uh, you you have to have a collective. You have to have a collective swaying recruits. And so when they heard that there is a a fan led collective starting up here, ever a lot of people, a lot of people jumped on board immediately, knowing nothing more than that. Because of what they associate with the word collective, and so this is this will be made clear in the podcast by by the guys from Student Body Right, but I'll make it clear at the top. They've been very outspoken, very clear that they have no intention of meddling with recruiting, of getting involved with any recruits. At least this is this is their their messaging and what they're putting out there and that their whole operation is geared toward raising money to ultimately disseminate to current USC student athletes who are on campus and academically eligible who want to take part in exchange for the NIL money, the football players as this is a football geared collective would be uh, doing community service, charitable work. So it's not, a pay-for-play or, or a free handout. it's That's kind of how how you keep it legal in the eyes of NIL guidelines for whatever that actually matters these days. I'm with Lincoln Riley, who you'll hear in a minute. I think there will be a, a correction and some firmer rules and guardrails in the future. I'm not certain of that, but I just think there has to be some clarifying of what are we all doing here in this NIL space. That's a way to make NIL in its truest form work is that there's, there's an exchange. There's, you know, it's not just that there's something being done for that money. Uh, that is their plan. They say that this is not to give money to recruits. So all the people who are just hearing collective and thinking, Oh, great. This is going to be like an, a Southeast program, of no particular name, just hypothetical, We can say, dropping bags for recruits. This is going to change everything. We're going to get all these recruits back that we missed on. Uh, Unless unless there's really strongly selling a public image that is not going to align with what they want to do, I don't think that's the case. And they seem very intent on not ruffling any feathers, not bringing any um, scrutiny upon them. And as a 501 C3 uh, charitable organization as they filed, they're open they've opened themselves up to um, being audited and having to disclose all the the money and and where it's come from where it's gone, etc so I have every reason to believe that they indeed do not plan to be dropping bags for recruits so. But my point in all this is that the word collective has been so stigmatized for many people, not in a bad way. Many people support uh, this, what's been attached to it, but that's not what it necessarily means. And in this case, I don't think it's what it means at all. So you have now two operations, student body right, if they keep pushing forward with their plans and Boulevard that are trying to do the same thing, essentially, which is to raise a lot of money from d- uh, donors, USC fans, supporters. Uh, in Boulevard's case, they have some other streams where they're also you know, giving corporate sponsorships and trying to set players up with, with marketing deals and that kind of thing. Uh, there's a few more tiers to what they're doing. But ultimately, it's about bringing money in that can be earned by Football players as nil uh, for for Boulevard it's all sports for student body rights football and with with the with with the big picture vision of that being able to then point to recruits in the future and say look at what our guys on campus earned this last year this offensive lineman made x thousand dollars this linebacker made. This, And that's how you use it in recruiting is to show proof of concept and proof of what you've done and hard and fast numbers of what people have made and not necessarily uh, an upfront tangible inducement of any kind. So listen to the podcast if you're not totally understanding NIL or what collectives are or the difference between Boulevard and Student by the Right. I think we get at all that, but I wanted to make that clarification up front because I think people, uh, I think many people, heard collective and thought, okay, game changer for recruiting. This is gonna, this is gonna immediately sway this recruiting class. Um, so just listen to it, draw your own conclusions. I asked all the questions I wanted to ask to to both sides, and you can interpret and and take from their answers what you will but really fun show. Let's start with the Lincoln Riley conversation from Pac-12 Media Day. You've been outspoken on NIL with us. The collectives, how much of a challenge has it, has it been for you guys to go up against schools that have these donors throwing pay-for-play out there?
1: Yeah, I, I don't feel like it's been that, that much of a challenge, honestly. I mean, we, we know where we stand on it. Uh, one of the things that I was most excited about coming to USC in terms of roster building was the opportunities for NIL. And we're one of the very few schools that's in a position where, listen, if the, if the collective, right, right now there's no rules. And, and there, excuse, there are rules, they're just not being enforced. At some point, they're either going to change the rules or they're going to enforce the ones we have. One of the two's going to happen. And when that does, I don't know what it's going to look like. If collectives become a thing and that's part of it. I, the, the power of, of the trojan family and all the people that support this program i, I know we will be ready to support our athletes if it doesn't and that becomes not a thing and they do start enforcing these rules that they have right now i mean that's that's where we have the power of la and all the, the different markets all the different businesses all of the uh, there's so much out here so many opportunities for our players that i feel like we're one of the very few schools that we, we honestly don't care which way it goes. We just hope they go ahead and get, you know, do whatever they're going to do, so that we can all move on with it. So, I, I, our positioning in the NIL space, uh, I think, is as good as anywhere in the country. And, and I think, no matter which which way it goes, uh, we're going to have a huge advantage.
0: In the meantime, what, what's your confidence in the stay the there boulevard model? how can that be effective as an alternative to the collective?
1: My confidence is extremely high. Uh, you know, was introduced to that model when I got hired. Uh, we we slowed it down a little bit to change and adapt as, as the landscape adapted, brought some of our concepts in with it. Um, obviously, we, we had a couple of people from our football department move over there, uh, Spencer Harris and Megan Mueller to assist Mike Jones and the rest of that team to help build it. We, we thought it was that important to have people that were kind of in the, within our walls and understood what we needed to do for our student athletes, that they were in, that they were there on a full-time basis. Um, so I have total support of it. I, I think we have some really revolutionary ideas to take advantage of, of being in LA and all the great things that that provides. And so you know, I would encourage all of our people to, to get involved with it. They're doing a tremendous job. And it's, and not only... You know, the the real game changer there for us. I mean, obviously, you know, being able to to compensate players and players being able to to earn NIL is a huge part of it. But also, I mean, every player on our team is going to have a representative. You know, these guys are getting financial literacy. They're getting accounting. They're learning about taxes. They're getting getting assistance. They're not just being given all this stuff or all these opportunities without the true kind of infrastructure you want to build behind it. And that's what this provides and uh, so you know for our people out there I just hope they'll really get behind and support well, it like, because as a football program you? and as a head coach I could not be more supportive. Of it. How
0: do you pitch that and, and, and frame it to recruits? Oh well, here we go.
1: hold it. Well, I think it's, I think it's, yeah, I think you have to understand what it's there to do, and I think, one, I mean, most, most football programs right now, there's probably 10, maybe 15 players that can command their own representation. You know, the other, the other 85% of your roster is left to kind of fend for themselves, maybe their group deal comes across or whatever, and for every player to have their own representative, their own representation, it's a game changer. It is, and, and again, yeah, you have all these opportunities opportunities here in L.A., but who's actually out there fighting for you on that? Who's helping you make those deals or choose where they are giving you guidance? And we have that. So I, I just think the, that set up in this market with all the momentum in our football program right now, I mean, it's, a, it's honestly, it's not a hard sell. And
0: then here is Lincoln Riley on Friday, August 12th, after practice, being asked about uh, the efforts for, by the student, by the right guys to start the collective.
1: Well, I think it's, uh, I think we've had a lot of signs um, internally that, you know, people want to support our program and are excited about what's going on here. So, um, you know, I think that, that notion is, you know, we're not surprised of. Um You know, we very much believe in uh, the Boulevard concept, uh, not only for what it can do for our student-athletes, but also uh, making sure that we stay within the rules and having people that have been in this business and are experts in this field is very, very important to us. So... Um, listen, this is new for us. You know, we're all—it's still evolving. All kinds of places all over the country, and I'm confident that we will, uh, you know, be able to kind of bring everyone together and make sure it's more united.
0: Effort. Okay, let's get to our first guest, the Los Angeles Times Ryan Karchi Okay, back into the Trojan Talk podcast. He's become a semi-regular guest now. You know him well. Ryan Karchi, the LA Times' USC beat writer, the LA Times' resident NIL bulldog. Ryan, how's it going?
2: <laughs> wow, not a title I ever expected to own, but uh, but I'll take it. It's going well. It's been an interesting couple of days around the USC beat, I'll say that.
0: Uh, it sure has, in, in large part because of you and the story you broke about a donor-led NIL collective in the works, kind of the fallout from that, with, with USC remaining staunchly opposed to it. And making that very clear. And obviously they threw their support and everything behind Boulevard, which was, was kind of their, their idea that, of how to handle NIL, how to navigate NIL. Clearly a, a way to go the opposite of what the collective route has been. And now there's this uh, burgeoning collective trying to get in that space. So much to ask, let's just start broadly though. I, I'm curious what the response has been since your story came out from all sides
2: it's been passionate i think would be the the word i would use uh, on both ends of the spectrum obviously a lot of usc fans have been clamoring for a collective for a while now especially you know before boulevard launched and you know, and then suddenly they had questions about the viability of boulevard and i think you know in some part this sort of stems from questions about how is usc gonna handle the nil world and you know I, it, I think it's an interesting point in this conversation. Like, the, just the idea that, you know, the school has been so staunchly opposed to this, and they had been for a long time, but the fans want something else. And, you know, neither side seems to budge on that at this point. And I do think, you know, a lot of fans seem to feel that this was necessary and inevitable. And I think inevitable, I think, is the word I would use, is that, you know, as soon as... You saw that you know collectives are finding a way to work without inducing recruits or you know affecting the you know prospective student athletes in the way that the NCAA had more clearly outlawed. There was always going to be some sort of effort at USC, just given the amount of money behind some of the very passionate alumni and just football boosters. So I'm not surprised by the fact that this actually happen. I'm more surprised just by how it's kind of been handled. And I think USC is in a unique spot. And I sympathize in some senses and in other senses, I think you know maybe it could have been handled differently, but I, I guess we'll, we'll certainly see how that plays out.
0: You know, I, as I've really digested the last few days, I think that fans maybe have a misperception of this because Dale Reck, kind of the organizer behind this uh, student body right collective has made clear that what he wants to do is also not for recruits. It's for, for established student athletes. And I think everyone here is collective and thinks, okay, we're going to, this is a way to buy recruits. Uh, is that a misperception you think among a percentage of the, of the fan base when they kind of compare Boulevard and a collective?
2: Definitely. And we've reached the point with a collective where that, you know, just hearing that word sort of suggests like, oh, there's something nefarious going on. And, yeah, I think even if you talk to the highest experts of NIL sort of in the space they'll tell you there are collectives doing good things collectives that aren't stepping you know out of bounds and I think even USC or Boulevard would tell you that that's the case I mean when when I spoke to Mike Jones uh, from uh, Stay Doubted for my story he he described Boulevard as a collective plus which is obviously a, a bit of a change in the wording of how they describe that, but, like, I think it represents this idea that, you know, collectives don't necessarily mean they are bad uh, or that they're breaking rules. And I think that's certainly something that, that I'm sure Dale and, and Bill Haddon will talk to you about later. It's just the idea that, you know, they have no intention of, you know, running afoul of NCAA rules. In fact, you know, I'm, I know that they've spoken with a lot of attorneys and tax experts about, you know, trying to stay above board. The, the questions for USC aren't necessarily those intentions, but how are those intentions followed through on? And I think they're just not uncomfortable, they're not comfortable at all with the potential liability that they are taking on, whether there is that much, as much liability as they think or not. Um, so I think they're sort of taking the conservative route, obviously, and that's been, you know, their stance really ever since NIL started. I remember, you know, hearing initially that, uh, just administrators in the highest up offices of USC were very uncomfortable with the idea of donors getting involved at all. And this was, I was told unequivocally that there would be no support for a collective months and months ago, long before Boulevard came around. Um, and to their credit, they have stuck to that mission statement, um, that they don't feel that this is a necessary thing at USC and it brings too much liability. And I guess, Sort of depends on who you talk to, uh, where you fall in that argument. And I think ultimately the next question would be then, do you have to take on some level of liability to even compete in recruiting anymore? Now that's a much more existential question, but it is certainly one that's being talked
0: about. Well, I guess another question is, is what even is liability these days when there seems to be no oversight or enforcement of anything? What, what is the liability that USC is worried about?
2: Exactly. And that, I mean, you know, I think it starts obviously with the recruiting elements of that, just because that is so clearly now a violation given the recent guidelines that were released by the NCAA. But, you know, we've said it multiple times now, Dale Reck has said very clearly that they have no interest in getting involved in that. And any conversation I've personally had with him, uh, he's also made that clear to me multiple times. So, you know, I do think that these are people who ultimately are invested in the success of USC football. So, you know, the question is how much are you going to trust them to handle that on their own without the auspices of the university sort of watching over them? And, you know, USC obviously has a history of, you know, some less than savory things happening just when people weren't paying attention. And I think just the... The legacy of the Reggie Bush scandal and just USC's reputation since then certainly plays a part in that sensitivity and and their their less than willing attitude towards liability.
0: Yeah, and as we mentioned, that there they've been their stance has been very well delivered, uh, very firmly delivered. There was a follow up story a day after your story on on three that that seemed to be. Uh, Straight from the uh, the PR department at uh, at USC to get their message out. What was your response to to that and kind of the way they've handled this since you started poking around and brought this to light?
2: Oh, I I thought that was a, a very interesting story. Um, like you said, it was you know very obviously came, came in with a bit of an agenda, but. Uh, the one thing I thought was kind of odd about that story, and I, I think you know this was part of it that was going around, was that a USC administrator had said anonymously that they had no record of Dale Reck as a donor or as someone who purchased tickets. And I guess, you know, I, I see in some way why that would matter, why they would aim to put that out there. Um, but I also sort of question, like, who cares? <laughs> Does it really matter if he was had like helped build the Galen center. Like, I don't know if, if, I don't think the players who are currently playing there or recruits who may come later with the idea that this NIL would be available to them upon being a student athlete. Like, I don't really think those people care. So ultimately I think, you know, in a lot of the NIL conversation, people lose sight of what's important. (laughs) And I I think like, you know, I've always sort of been of the mind that the important part is The kids who at one point were not getting adequately compensated now are for their name and image likeness. So, sort of depends on where you fall in that spectrum. But I do think you know it's been clear, and I I laugh when I hear or see on message boards people saying like, "Oh, Mike Bone, Carol Fold, they actually support this, but you know, wink, wink, they have to say they don't." That is not the case. (laughs) I can I can say that very very clearly. They are distrusting of this collective and they are concerned. Um, and again, they've been saying that for a long time. This isn't breaking news by any means, but to say that there's sort of this wink, wink, nudge, nudge relationship, uh, that's just not the case.
0: I want to bring you on as kind of a table setter for our entire show, because I will have Dale Reck and Bill Haddon on from student body right next, and we'll get into it with them. And then we'll have Michael Calvin Jones from stay doubted, uh, on to kind of respond to everything this week, so we'll get into all that stuff. But but you have probably had more conversations about this with both sides than anybody. So I want to get your perspective on where do you think it goes from here. Boulevard's been officially up and going for a few weeks, I guess. August was always kind of their start date. I think it's way too early to evaluate whether it's quote worked or not. Uh, and then uh, the the collective guys don't have don't have a start date in mind and or or anything yet. So where does all this go from here?
2: There are a lot of unanswered questions and I think you kind of got at that. Like we don't know the details of how exactly student body right will, will work out. Uh, I still have questions. I know a lot of people will have questions just about the 501c3 status um, that Dale has talked about and how this will be run as a charitable organization. What does that mean? Uh, What are the chances of an audit? Uh, You know, you really have to have your ducks in a row if you're somebody, right? And especially when you're going that 501c3 route. Um, You do sort of leave yourself open to government organizations looking in on what you're doing, and you have to disclose a lot of what you do. So there are a lot of questions on that. I, I know, you know, I've posed those questions to Dale and other folks with the group, and, you know, I've gotten some answers, not that some answers have, you know, changed with time in terms of like them figuring things out. So I, you know, they they clearly don't want to give out too many details until they know everything. So it's uh, uncertain on that end, but I think, you know, what is most interesting to me about this situation and going forward just for the rest of the college football landscape is, you know, what happens when an athletic department doesn't support a collective and a collective is still moving forward. Like we don't really know how that will play out. We haven't seen it play out in public. Now there's been talk about it playing out at certain places, but uh, you know, I don't know where this turns next in this relationship, but I, I know both sides seem unwilling to sort of compromise on where they stand. And I I just sort of think it, it might just sort of be a stalemate for a while as, all these details are worked out, but I, I'm certainly fascinated to see how how this will happen, and I, I think we're going to start to see it happening in a lot of other places because not a lot of universities like to see control to their deep-pocketed donors.
0: Yeah, I mean that's the most curious point of it all is is how does this move forward if USC is not going to cooperate or, or want any part of it, and and then where therein is the benefit ultimately if uh, it's just two conflicting sides. Uh, ostensibly working for the same purpose, but but not all on the same page. It's, it's very fascinating. Just to kind of close up with you, is there anything else really interesting you learned through reporting this story uh, that maybe a lot of people don't understand about either uh, Boulevard or Student Body Right or just the whole NIL process? Well, it, it's interesting. I, we haven't talked a ton about Boulevard, but
2: I'll be fascinated to hear what Mike Jones has to say about that and especially now that it's been out there a little bit more what student body right is is planning but you know I do think it's been an interesting process for Boulevard uh, just sort of figuring out what it is too and I like uh, I know Mike Jones had said before they you know they have eight eight figures he said in private donations plus more from from other elements of the business and you know if, if it really is succeeding on this level it's it'll be curious to see how that shows itself in the coming months, but uh, you know, Boulevard has tried to figure out how to solicit these donations, and I know they're aiming to raise seventy-five million dollars uh, by twenty twenty-six for NIL purposes, and that will be that's a lot. I mean, that's no small amount of money. But it seems they they're very confident that they can do that. Uh, they've had to change some things along the way. I know initially there was a policy that fifty percent of the donation. Uh, the donator could dictate where that went, and the other 50% went into the general fund. That's since changing, uh, as we've heard from, you know, people within USN Boulevard, and, you know, they've also changed how much they take out for administrative fees, something that started at 15% and has gone down to, I know uh, it was, disclosed to me that it was closer to five now. Now how that changes how they operate or what that actually means, I don't know that 15% was really that high of an administrative fee, but when student body right comes out and says, well, we're doing that part pro bono and you get to dictate where all of your money goes. Um, you know, you can see why someone who's donating money would, would look at that and think, Oh, I can go here. I can donate wherever I want. And I can get a tax deduction. So, you know, you can understand why Boulevard would look at this and be like, Oh, well, maybe we're going to lose out on a lot of people who would choose to take this route instead. So, you know, while ultimately student body rights says, you know, we can coexist, you know, the money we're getting is money that Boulevard or USC never would have gotten anyway. I do think there's ultimately a little bit of a bit left, uh, no matter what happens. So I do think they can coexist, but at first there's certainly going to be some, some sort of settling in between the two of them.
0: Yeah, but they would have to have some kind of mutual knowledge of what each is doing. If student body right wants to give a – what if they want to give money to this particular cornerback, but he's already the main beneficiary from Boulevard, and, and they don't know that. And so now this cornerback is getting all kinds of benefits from both sides, and other players aren't, and it's not really changing the dynamics. Without communicating between the two, I just see nothing but problems. And to me, it's going to come down to just how, how – determined the student body right folks are to stick with this because they're going to face opposition the whole way
2: yeah and i guess on the other end you know how determined is the athletic department to allow maybe these communication issues to form without sort of falling on the sword itself and saying well we are going to have to deal with these guys we're better off just sort of looking at looking closely what they're doing and telling them well hey if you can keep in touch with us and assure us that you're doing okay like then maybe we can have a better relationship now, maybe that's myopic of me to think, but you know, I do think the, there was probably a little bit of a miscalculation in terms of how far this would go uh, on both ends. So I do think they, there's going to be an interesting reckoning when it comes to that, and I, it'll be a high-stakes game of chicken we'll all be watching very closely.
0: Yes, we will, and I look forward to these upcoming uh, segments on this podcast as we get into the interviews with the principal people involved. but. Ryan Karchi, we thank you for being our table setter today and and giving us some perspective. Anytime. Good stuff from Ryan Karchi, as always. A good friend of mine, great reporter. uh, Does a great job on the USC beat. We thank him for his time, uh, as we do with Dale Reck and Bill Hatton from Student Body Rights. Coming up now. Okay, welcoming into the show, into the podcast, the guys behind Student Body Right, the donor-led NIL collective that is working to start up, Dale Reck and Bill Haddon. Dale and Bill, how are you?
3: We're doing great, Ryan. How are you today?
0: Very well, thanks, and, and very intrigued to get into this conversation with you guys.
3: We're looking forward to it.
0: Well, let's start this way. I want to have you both kind of introduce yourself and your connection to USC, your history with USC and the program, and also give our listeners a chance to differentiate the two voices here. So, Dale, why don't you start for us and kind of give us your background as a Trojans fan.
4: Uh, should I go all the way back to uh, John Arnett in 1955? Jess Hill was the AD, all the way through McKay, Tom Rob up through PC and uh, 15 years since, uh, PC left the fan. Uh, I can't count the number of games, uh, I've gone to, and it's, uh, uh it's become part of my blood every day. Trojan gear 365, uh, fight on.
3: And, and Bill? Well, Ryan, um, My uh, introduction to USC started when I was uh, an 8-year-old kid. I snuck out of bed at 11.30 at night when my parents were having a dinner party downstairs. I turned on the TV and caught uh, UCLA at USC in the Coliseum underneath the lights. As an 8-year-old boy, I was hooked on USC at that moment in time. Ever since then, I've been just a crazed USC Fan, I consider going to college there. A uh, quick side note, I grew up in Michigan. I still do live in Michigan. Uh, I decided uh, not to attend USC. I decided to uh, stay in state. It was uh, a little more cost efficient. But I've my love for USC has only grown over the years to the point where I would hijack business trips with uh, a travel Uh, Another guy I was traveling with, and I would completely reroute our schedule so we could go in and watch uh, practice during the PC era. Good stuff. Good stuff. So, since since then, I've continued to uh, go to key home games and away games, and it's, it's just part of my everyday life. Well,
0: first of all, let me just start with the present. What has this week been like for you guys since your vision kind of has gone public? and reaction has poured in from all sides. What's this week been like? Well,
4: Bill, I'll I'll take that. Um, Our our group, our group has been together for at least over a decade that uh, just has a wide spectrum of fans, just like what Bill and I described. Um, We have forever looked at our kids. Now, I'm in Florida, and I don't know if I'm pronoun correct, so sorry. I apologize in advance if that bothers anybody, but any USC football athlete that comes into the Trojan family on day one, they enroll in class. We've always considered them part of our family, and we take care of our family, and uh, unfortunately, over the last 10 or 15 years, we've seen a lot of hardships, uh, a lot of different things that made it even that much more important if we could somehow help them experience the full academic and life experience at USC where uh, a lot of them had not done that. So uh, as we get into what we did and why we're doing it, that's the core reason all of us are together our sole mission is to take care of the kids. So, so that being said, uh, we, we started on this venture, uh, five months ago. Um, we started slowly. We went forward and then last week came about and, uh, we were getting to the point, you know, there's a lot of, been a lot of misinformation out there on a variety of things. And, uh, uh, through those five months, we've learned a lot. Uh, we've asked a lot of questions. But when last week came about to your to your original question, Brian, uh, the Cannizzaro article came out. It basically listed the top uh, NIL teams in the Pac-12, which far and away was led by Arizona State. Uh, but then there was Washington State. There was Cal. I think even Oregon State was in there. No mention of U.S.C. So we started saying ourselves, what 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 are we doing here? You know, we're ready to go. And uh, uh, right about in the middle of that week, uh, Ryan Kajardi called from the LA Times, asking, Hey, what's up? Are you guys doing something? And we thought, Uh-oh. uh Oh, you know, we're we're not where we need to be to talk about this. Uh, but uh, you know, it's out there. So we thought some more, and then uh, you know, we said, dude, do we really want to? go with the times and then uh we saw an article that uh, ryan published the week before on something regarding us hey this guy we can trust him so early in the week we talked to ryan and ryan came out with i think the story everybody saw on the times and uh from that point on uh we had no idea how explosive and the direction this was going to go. And we had some ideas, uh, but uh, we felt it was important to get information out there with so much misinformation. And uh, what we hope to be able to do with you today is uh, I'm sure you've got a bunch of questions for us. Uh, we, we have a lot of the answers, but we don't, have every answer and and that's the primary reason we haven't rolled ourselves out yet we don't want to do something and then a week later like some other uh, situations have been where you have to retract or or rewrite or whatnot so we want to get it absolutely correct so hopefully that answers your question of what's really happened to us in the last week uh, it's not over. I uh, finally was able to eat something at 9.30 last night, and uh, three phone charges later, I think that was the end of it. So uh, it's, it's, uh, it's been hectic for, for, for not only us, but for the other pe- people uh, that are involved in our core group. Well, you're
0: right. I do have some very specific questions I want to get into, but I want to start more generally and let you kind of lay out the vision and the plan for what you're trying to do. So let me just throw it to you there and just kind of paint the overview for those who maybe haven't read the stories yet or just want to hear more about what kind of is the crystallized uh, vision for this.
4: Bill, do you want me to go the journey or do you want to get into where the meat of the issue? i you know what, I'll start this off, and then um, we, we can just uh, evolve from there.
3: One of the things I just, before I launch into this, is uh, to your question, Ryan, about what's the last week been like. Uh, Dale encapsulated it pretty well, and from my perspective, I kind of took a step back and was reading and thinking about all the various points of view, the reactions that people have, not only to NIL, uh, but also collectives. And it's interesting that this is all about really college football and by extension college athletics. And that's always been a very passionate part of people's lives. And I've noticed that sometimes the emotions are running rampant and overtaking, sometimes logical thinking, some generally accepted facts and truths. Now I know there's a segment out there that have already decided that collectives are the deep, dark, bagman. man. And I'm not sure those people are ever going to open their mind and realize that because one is bad, that doesn't mean all collectives are bad. I think you've got a segment out there who maybe are still questioning, and they're looking for validation that, hey, you know what, collectives can operate in an above-board manner in a way that benefits football players, student-athletes, and doesn't do any harm or create any risks for the well-being of the overall program. And I understand that. And I think and hope that they'll be open-minded and they will really listen to substantive information given to them and decide that, you know what, I really should look at a collective on a case-by-case basis. And then you have those who are just all in. Whatever it takes, we want to get the players and we want to be able to keep the players. So that's kind of where my thought process has gone over the last week. It's uh, It's validated. I think our direction to a great deal, in my mind, in, in the simplest way, we're looking to uh, connect USC football student-athletes and their NIL learning potential and influence with highly respected charities. And we want to create a partnership where the USC football student-athletes can help these charities advance their causes uh, accomplish the marketing initiatives, and and then result being improved quality of life experiences for people in our community. There's a twofold benefit there for, for the USC football players. They have an opportunity to earn income, whether they're the star player or they're the third back, running back on the three deep. But it, it gives them an, all an opportunity to earn some income. And it lets them work with people, it engages them with the community, and I think it, it's a growing experience for them to, to get exposed to people from different backgrounds, with different needs, and they can really see how what they're doing is going to make a direct impact on helping improve
4: the life of someone. So that's really what we're about, in a nutshell. Let me let me jump in here for a minute, A lot of all your listeners may not realize this, but... Prior to the NIL coming about, uh, the NCAA dictated how much money a student uh, could earn. Number one, first of all, a lot of you probably don't know if you are a student athlete, you can't work. You can't work. So a lot of these, a lot of these situations, and so the same kid at USC, excuse me, our kids. Uh, gets the same amount of stipend or extra money allocated, uh, according to whether they live in the dorm or they're obviously going to get more if you move off campus. The same amount as the kid in Paducah, Kansas, Pullman, Washington, Corvallis. Uh, there's a there's a YouTube video floating around right now. I I think I don't have you seen it, Brian? Where our, our current USC players. Are actually saying, "Hey, uh, I don't have enough money for gas. Uh, I can't. I can't get around." And bear in mind, the training table has come a huge, huge way from what it once was when uh, uh, Tyrone Smith was eating dollar cheeseburgers for dinner, uh, uh, and now with uh, Coach Riley coming in with a real professional uh, understanding of nutrition and and everything else it's gotten it's gotten even better that being said uh it's our understanding that the student athlete only gets two meals a day so that stipend not only do they have to if they're not living in the dorm uh they got to pay for that third meal they got to pay for gas they got to pay for clothes now uh, understand uh every player on the team is different in terms of their, uh, ability to do things based on, uh, their parents and the other sources of income, uh, that they have. So, uh, we've seen a horrendous amount of hardship, uh, in some cases turn tragedy because of the archaic NCAA rules regarding this. So, uh, again, back uh, into what Bill just said, uh, uh, we now have an opportunity uh, to help provide the opportunity for these kids uh, to live the normal life of uh, having to worry about day-to-day uh, uh, financial issues. Uh, but again, it's, we're not giving money away. Uh, they have to do something in return. Or this idea of pay-for-play, uh, as Bill will get into, uh, uh, is a fallacy. Uh, but some people do believe it's truth, and uh, that's what we're going to try and do here uh, with your group, Brian, uh, is, is and try and lay out where things are and where the truths are and uh, where there's some conjecture. So uh, hopefully, hopefully that tells you a little bit about where we're at and what we're doing. Again, everything we touch – is about our kids and and our kids uh and whatever anybody else can do we welcome them uh we're all about getting us back to winning national championships
0: i think the the intent is clear and and everyone would agree with it the big question of course is with usc throwing in support behind boulevard why is there a need for a collective and obviously if you all started working on this five months ago That was well before the boulevard plan was announced, so maybe it wasn't uh, part of the equation then. Now that it's up and running, why is there still a need for you guys to push forward and do something uh, on top of what they're trying to do?
3: I think it really begins with answering a question. Is the ultimate goal to maximize the number of avenues that USC football players will have for NIL income and along that way develop and discover other skills that could be used professionally in their life as they advance? Or is the objective, look, we kind of have to do something here, we're getting a lot of pressure, so we're going to launch something where we can control every aspect And we really, if we have our way, make it where the players only have one avenue to earn NIL income, and that's through Boulevard. So that really becomes a philosophical question. Our answer to that is why restrict or limit the players to having to go through one door? I think, more importantly, it's better to create as many viable ethical, fully compliant NIL income earning avenues as possible. Because that's to the benefit of the players. And that's what this is really supposed to be about. But again, I have to go back to what is the real philosophical question that needs to be answered? And what is the answer? Some people enter into ventures because they feel pressured. they, It's something they have to do. They'd rather not. But They have to do it in our case we don't have to do this we all have lives this is something we chose to do because we saw a need a need being these players need different avenues credible avenues to earn NIL income it's an opportunity for them to grow personally and professionally and there's an unmet need because everyone hears about these seven-figure deals and Supposedly, Tennessee is offering $8 million to a high school quarterback. It's all speculation. I'm not naive enough to think that all of it is false, but I'm also not naive enough and cynical enough to believe all of it is true. So the point is, most of these mega deals, the big six-figure, seven-figure deals, are only going to be signed by a very small percentage of players you've also, so you're now left with a pretty high percentage of guys who want to also have the opportunity to earn income. So our approach is to create partnerships with charities and all of the USC football student athletes and give them an opportunity to all earn money. We're not talking about big brands that are thrown around money. We're talking about charitable organizations that would love to be uh, engaged with USC football players to help advance their causes in the community. So this is just another avenue that we think has a better chance of benefiting a larger percentage of the USC football players. So would it be great? I mean, we're not looking to be adversarial. With, with Boulevard or USC. This, I think, really comes down to, we just have a different perspective on things.
4: Bill, if and, I can jump in here for a minute. Yes. Okay. Uh, there, there's one other facet of this that uh, uh, is important to note. Um, we talked to a lot of people. Uh, we asked a lot of questions. Uh, we shut up, and we listened. And we go back to uh, the sanctions when uh, Nikias and Hayden gave their rendition at the Animal House and grabbed their ankles and said, Thank you, NCAA, can we have another? Uh, that got a lot of people upset. And as we've gone through the last 15 years, there's been a lot of other things that Trojan fans that their first and only love is the football team got upset about. A lot of those thousands of people that got displaced uh, when they reconfigured the Coliseum uh, in such a way that uh, it, the towers were built uh, where there were other options on the table which would have uh, moved a lot less. Uh, and then uh, I think it's all got good grief going on three years ago for no apparent reason, uh, the university completely disbanded the Trojan clubs. And for those of us that uh, are not in Southern California and the Trojan clubs are available, it's an opportunity or it was an opportunity to get together and share the love, concern, excitement about USC football. And, and that was taken away from a lot of people and a lot of people to this day are not very happy about that. So, so what we found out after talking to a lot of people in a lot of those segments I just mentioned, that uh, there's not going to be a lot of money that's going to be given by those people to anything that's affiliated with the university. So with that in mind, we saw a niche, a niche to be able to take care of the student athletes on our football team uh, for those people that wanted to do that, but for whatever personal reasons chose not to have any affiliation with the university. That gave us the impetus to say, hey, you know, there, there, there's an opportunity here to provide for the program that the university, the program in general, uh, was never going to get anyway. And now we're bringing forth uh, an opportunity to uh, support football team, support the program, but it also meets the other criteria that uh, will make people want to be part
0: of it. To that end, Dale, you you told the athletic quote, we want to coexist with Boulevard. How can that ultimately work if obviously USC is going to throw its support behind that direction? How how can both function to the fullest capabilities? Bill,
3: do you want to answer that? I think that how that can ultimately work really begins with um, – are continuing to follow, I'm going to call it our GPS navigation, which is following the NCAA guidelines. Now I know they're not everything that everybody wants, but nonetheless, they're part of our GPS navigation system for building student body right and rolling it out. And then presiding over that is the uh, Senate bill in California bill 206. Uh, fair pay to play. So as a collective, we are independent of the university. Uh, Boulevard has a relationship. They've been engaged by USC. uh, Reading through what triggers a booster relationship, Uh, you can put that in front of multiple attorneys and get multiple interpretations. So The way we can coexist with Boulevard is simply going back to the philosophical question I posed when we first started talking today. What is the ultimate goal? Is it to have one source, one avenue for players to uh, follow to earn NIL income? Or is it about creating multiple credible, compliant avenues for the players to opt into so they can have options? If we could arrive at a shared vision that that is really the goal, I think we could coexist very nicely. We have a niche focus on partnering the players with uh, highly respected, charitable organizations for the purpose of benefiting the community, allowing players to earn income and also grow personally and professionally through that experience. I think based on what I've read from Boulevard's releases, they are more focused on creating digital content brands for the players with the hopes that brands will notice this and want to create some type of a partnership with the players. That's an entirely different approach. It's a different focus. I don't see why the two cannot harmoniously coexist if the ultimate goal is for the benefit of the players now I can just hear someone saying yeah but collectives are rogue boosters that are going to get the university put on probation I go back to because some are that doesn't mean all of them are and we are very diligent and very determined to follow every guideline that's outlined by the NCAA and the Fair Pay-to-Play Act. That is our GPS navigation as we finalize our model and prepare to roll it out. We wouldn't get into this if we were rogue and risk-takers and didn't care if something bad happens and the university and the football program, particularly the players, suffer because of it. That's not why we're doing this. This is why we haven't launched yet. Sure. We are moving with we're moving with disciplined urgency to make sure we've got everything right. We've talked with multiple lawyers who are very familiar with NIL. They're very familiar with California state law, the Fair Pay to Fair Pay to Play Act. So we're getting guidance. We're getting perspectives from experts. And we're rolling all that into making decisions on how to build the best model that will benefit the players, benefit charities, and protect the players, and ultimately protect the program and the university. Now, obviously, words are words. The actions in the end determine if the words have any value. So I would just say to everyone, hold us to our words and let our actions
4: prove that we're we're correct in what we're saying. Brian, I think it's also important to add to this that uh, coexisting uh, with more than one program is not unique. Uh, I think everybody remembers, gosh, I I think it was back in December uh, when the University of Texas rolled out their uh, $50,000 pancake program where every offensive lineman, uh, uh, without any definition of how that money came about or how it was going to be distributed or what and how it fit within any type of state let alone NCAA guidelines it came out fast forward today uh, there's five different collectives uh, involved with the University of Texas uh, here in Florida uh, Gator Nation has three and My understanding, uh, within two weeks, the fourth one's going to roll out. Everybody has their niche. Everybody does their own part. Uh, So uh, coexisting with more than one, uh, it seems pretty almost to the point of being a commonplace, and uh, we're on that track. We welcome anybody. If if three or four more uh, collectives come on, and they fit a niche that we don't fit or anybody else doesn't fit, and it helps get us toward winning national championships again, we're 100% behind them. I was reading today, there's another new
3: collective that has launched uh, on behalf of SMU. It's called Boulevard Collective. Yes. Yeah, Boulevard Collective. Yeah, kind of ironic, but at any rate... It's comprised of local business owners, fans, alumni, and they're also looking to connect their athletes with charities. So I think there's kind of a trend emerging here. You have agencies such as Boulevard and others that want to create digital online brands for players. They may or may not provide some of the services such as a CAA, which is a talent marketing agency. I don't know. I'm not familiar with Boulevard, and I'm not concerned with that. That's their business. That's their, their choice of how they want to proceed with that. But that feeds into the idea that there needs to be multiple options for players because not every player is going to be right to represent A barbecue chain, such as Malachi Nelson, who's still in high school, which, just a quick sidebar, is a unique benefit if you're a high school football player in the state of California because you can already begin signing NIL deals. Some players are better suited for really engaging the community, working through charities. and they discover that's a career pursuit they want. So it's just about creating multiple NIL learning opportunities and just career and personal development experiences for the players. Well, Bill, to
0: your characterization of Boulevard, just a quick clarification, I think what you've described is part of it, but they do also have a a, a part of their model where they are trying to raise these membership donations. Uh, So to a degree, you guys will be going after the same target audience of USC donors, supporters that want to donate money to the cause, there is some overlap to what you're going after.
3: Yes, there is. And I look at that as free marketplace. It's an opportunity for people to potentially give to both ventures because each venture has some pretty clear distinctions between them. You know, what we're doing and who we're pursuing trying to partner up with USC student athletes. And presumably from what I read, Boulevard's focus, they're different worlds. So I think it's an opportunity for people to contribute to create more opportunities for the players. So yes, we're going after the same pocketbook, so to speak, but it's also an opportunity for people to contribute in multiple ways to help the players. One of the advantages we do offer as a 501c3 is the potential, based on each uh, contributor's uh, tax filing status and and their situation, they do have the potential to be able to receive a tax deduction since we are a 501c3 nonprofit.
0: I I want to get into the specifics of of your plan and and, uh, what you want to do. More, but two last questions as it relates to Boulevard and USC. First of all, there's been some confusion as to what the communication has been to this point with Michael Jones at Boulevard. It, were there conversations, or or have there not been any communication before on this? I'll,
4: I'll I'll take that one, because uh, I was the one that uh, had the conversation. Uh, again, we we started this long before. Boulevard came on the scene in June yeah, and and we moved along and uh, we watched Boulevard roll out. And, uh, at that point, you know, we were putting our plan together. Right? Everybody involved in this, uh, uh, has done plans, developed businesses in the private sector. And, and we stayed pretty close to following that plan. And we had gotten to the point before we, uh, made the move to uh, address hard costs. Uh, we looked at what Boulevard was doing and we looked at what our needs were at that point, And we saw a lot of duplication. And so uh, we thought, well, let's reach out. Uh, let's, let, let's see if there's something we can do together. I picked up the phone uh, I called Boulevard, uh, I talked to Mike Jones, I laid out to him where we were at, transparent, and uh, said, hey, is there any chance, can we work together based on uh, the overlap, the uh, duplication, and uh, uh, it, it, it kind of came back across, uh, well, we're we're gonna move forward with it, and at that point and he informed me that, uh, Uh, they were getting real close to, uh, do zoom calls, uh, with, uh, the scholarship donors, at USC, for those that don't know what scholarship donors are, uh, they give a minimum of $20,000 a year and they get season tickets and other things. But, uh, it's a, uh, an elevated donor class. And, uh, obviously if you're going after, uh, donations, you want to go after the people that, uh, uh, have the most money first obviously to get that that base so uh, we agreed and said okay well we'll back off let's uh, see what you get out of uh, your zoom calls so I think that was over a period of about uh, ten days The two calls occurred and uh, the day after the second one uh, uh, we picked up uh, uh, our group on a conference call and there were people that were actually on that call, and there were several showstoppers or deal breakers, which I think is, have become public now. One, the fifty cents on the dollar goes toward football. The and I, I, I've got to correct something in in fairness to Boulevard that, that I think, from what we know, they're being wrongly accused uh, that they weren't going to keep that fifty percent and designate where that $0.50 cents was going to go. If you looked at the PDF uh, that followed the thank you note from the scholarship players, it pretty much laid out uh, the vision that that other $0.50 cents would be spread among other USC sports at the discretion of somebody other than Boulevard. So Bovard is kind of getting an unfair rap on that. Uh, They're, they're not the one that's uh, they've been accused of a slush fund and no way Uh, that, that, that's not true. Uh, but also during that same period of time, uh, since we were, we are not formally, we're not formally a collective per se. We were, we were not legally, uh, formatted, uh, we, we reached out also to uh, people in McKay and HH, and, and again, the intent of full transparency, hey, this is what we're doing. Uh, uh, I have the emails that were sent. Uh, we never got a response. Mm-hmm. Uh, so back to that point, uh, once we saw what Boulevard was doing, we said, hey, this does not meet our core value." Our core value is taking care of all the kids, and 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 so with the knowledge that there was a good segment of the U.S. family and USC football nation that uh, had some issues in contributing to anything uh, in directly involved with the university, uh, we've moved ahead. And uh, again, as Bill said, we wish we could uh, move ahead quicker. And just As a kind of a side note for a minute, most people don't know the United States has uh, 6% of the world population and 66% of the lawyers. So think about that for a minute. Uh, uh, Even right now with what we're trying to do, we're at the mercy of uh, when we can schedule time with uh, the NIL uh, attorneys that that really matter and to make sure that – we're doing everything right. So, uh, yeah, we reached out. Um, and, uh, this is where we're at.
0: Have you, have you heard from USC this week since all this stuff went public and, and live?
4: Uh, I, I'll Bill, do you want to address that of why, uh, my phone did the right thing. Uh, once we are established as a collective, uh, there can be no contact. I mean, a true collective. Uh, they There can be no contact between the university and that collective. We are standalone. Uh, they really cannot uh, affect anything that we do. Uh, vice versa, uh, we can't have contact with them. Uh, bill will get into it in a few minutes. Uh, there is one exception with that uh, in the compliance portion of it, but uh, if all our compliance and the players' compliance for what's required of them uh, to get paid uh, by notifying the university who's really, at this point, uh, based on state and NCAA guidelines, there cannot be communication between the two.
0: What was your reaction, though, to the way USC handled this and and responded? They came out pretty strong and, and really made it clear that they weren't supportive and that they want everyone to support Boulevard. What was your reaction to, to their approach to respond to this? Well, it was
4: expected. There are those of us, and uh, I'll, I'll speak for our group and for a lot of the people we talk to, that uh, this is all about control. Uh, they want to uh, have their hand in everything. They they don't like uh, other people um, involved in what they think is their responsibility. Uh, the NIL collectives speak differently. They We, we, we expected probably uh, nothing less than what's occurred so far with uh, a couple other of exceptions which uh, w- we're dealing with. Brian, if I could just quickly add on to that, I always
3: try to put myself in the position of someone else. In the case of Mike Bone, I understand why he had to perhaps take the position that he did ever since the sanctions, obviously USC and pretty much every athletic department in the country. And I used to work very closely with one they're risk-averse and this new NIL world is anything but reassuring to people who are naturally and have to be in some cases risk-averse. So I understand why they're concerned. I just wish they could be more open-minded and understand that if this is really to benefit the student athletes and to give them income earning potential through their NIL and along with that, they learn new professional skills and personal growth and discover new things about themselves. I'm going to go back to what I've said earlier. Let's create as many avenues for them to explore as possible. And I want to stress again, we're doing this. Out of love for USC football, the student-athletes, and by association, the university. So the last thing we want to do is to do anything that would sound the siren and result in any type of sanctions or punishment. So it's just a philosophical different view on NIL. And only USC can answer the question of if you didn't feel pressured if this was completely optional would you still be doing this and if the answer is well no but we feel like we have to then they want to be the single source because they can control everything and it minimizes what they view as risk sure
0: Bill, I want to go back to a point you made earlier just about the misconceptions of collectives. And this also ties into a story that, Dale, you told me earlier this week when we first talked that you guys really started this up the day after Josh Connerly committed to Oregon. Uh, Obviously, USC was kind of viewed as the favorite there for a little bit for the five-star lineman. He goes to Oregon. People think of collectives in this whole process as influencing recruiting, and that's why everyone is, is so... Passionate and opinionated about it, so that they wanted to boost USC recruiting. You've been very clear that you are not going to be dealing with prospective student athletes. You're going to be uh, giving money to USC athletes in return for them working with charitable organizations, community service. So how how does this change the re, the recruiting picture to have this in place? Well, I can only address
3: I can only address what we will do. I can't address what other collectives do, yeah. but we become, we become active, I'm going to call it, after the fact. And by after the fact, I mean, I'm going to use the word recruit. Once the recruit signs the LOI and they are officially enrolled as a student athlete at USC and they're taking classes, and they're academically fulfilling their responsibilities. That's when we entered the picture. As far as recruiting goes, we have no intent, no desire. We absolutely refuse to come anywhere near doing or saying anything that could be construed as meddling or trying to influence recruiting. We control our actions in that sphere. As far as word of mouth goes, I can't control that. But we're not out there actively or passively trying to influence any recruiting decisions. We are 100% opposed to doing that. Just to further reinforce our convictions, before any money is released to compensate a student athlete for or their NIL involving a charity, it's incumbent, and this is a rule, it's incumbent upon a student athlete to submit, I'm going to call it an offer, a proposal. They have to submit it to whomever USC delegates to receive it. The student athlete has to submit the proposed opportunity to make sure it is compliant and is approved. Now, under the California state law, no institution can prevent a player from entering into an NIL agreement provided it does not conflict or violate any existing contract the uh, the player's team has with someone. So, for example, if a university is a Nike school and a player wants to sign a deal with Adidas, as a conflict, the institution could say, no, you can't do that. Right. But in the case of where there's no conflict, the student submits it and it's supposed to be approved. Once we have documentation back that it has been approved and fully sanctioned, then the money is released. So that's another safeguard we have in place to uh, make sure that there are no shenanigans going on regarding recruits.
0: I want to get more into the the details of what you guys are pl- plan to do. And I know you don't have all the answers yet, uh, but maybe you have some of these. Uh, there's been talk of a, of a base salary for every player. Is, is that kind of the, the the ideal outcome for you? And and if so, have you even considered what the range of that would be yet? Is there a ballpark figure?
4: When we talk base salary, that's really uh, going to be dependent upon uh, how, how, involved uh, the student af- individual student athlete wants to get involved with our program uh, if uh, they participate uh, in uh, multiple charities uh, whether they're as an influencer uh, or other things uh, that will adjust but uh, we think that the uh, availability of just really uh, doing things like an influencer or other things will give them an opportunity. We we hope uh, it gets in up into the range of uh, what else is out there, but uh, uh, there's nothing fixed that's in, in place right now. This is a learning curve. We're going through a lot of, of time with attorneys sure. uh, to make sure that that this is done right. And the last thing we will do is put a number... Or a statement out there that, uh, in any way, can change. We we are going to do it right, or we're not going to do it at all. And Ryan, as as a journalist and a writer, you
3: of more than anyone can appreciate the importance of language and phrasing. Sure. So when when we read and see that you know every player is going to get fifty thousand dollars. Those are the kind of ambiguous statements that can potentially be harmful because that can easily be construed as, oh, this is pay for play. Sure. Um, so that's why we want to be very specific. Our objective is to have enough money available for every player to have the opportunity to earn. So our goal is to create opportunities for every player to earn the money but for us to say every player is going to get $50,000 is a reckless, is a reckless ambiguous
0: statement that could easily be misconstrued that's a great that's a great point that's a great point absolutely a couple last ones for you guys I, I want to get into the, the the leg work you've done to get this far I know in talking to Dale earlier this week he gave me a little bit of it but just for the listeners uh, what exactly has gone into this, and uh, how many people have been involved and in, in kind of going through each step of the process?
4: It's, uh, uh, the, the core group uh, has been together for, gosh, a, going on 10 years. Uh, there's barely a day that hasn't gone by. Uh, that's something. U S E football has not been passed and forth on a thread. It's a really unique group of, of people that uh, uh, hit all aspects of USC football, uh, people that, uh, uh, even in some cases uh, over the years of uh, BOTs, uh, other people that again, share our love uh, for our kids and for USC football. So uh, our group uh, started off small. The encouraging thing, Uh, as as we build out from our core group. And obviously you need uh, certain aspects of things like attorneys and and other things. And uh, we reached out to USC alumni, and uh, the response was overwhelming. Uh, Not even one word of uh, how much you're going to get charged. It's just tell me what you need to do. I'll do it for you. Different aspects of the website. Uh, CPA work, every, everything else. It, it's been a, a great uh, uh, response from people that do what they do best and apply it to their love to USC football. So as we grew forward and we started then uh, reaching out uh, to different people that uh, uh, could potentially give us Uh, a good start on uh, getting uh, uh, together. We we cannot talk about uh, how we're going to get uh, that together. By the way, we uh, will be structured is uh, we will refer everybody uh, uh, to a website, and on that website uh, we'll define who we are, what we are, what we need to do, And on that website, there will be an opportunity if uh, you agree with the way we things out, uh, uh, it it will lay out the different, uh, opportunities, uh, if you want to be part of it. Uh, so, uh, we're very careful about how we put it out, but we're very confident based on the people we've talked, uh, both inside the inner circle and outside, uh, Uh, that next group up that uh, we're on the same page and are going to get where we need to go. Ryan, I'm going to go back to what I had said earlier.
3: Our GPS navigation system is the NCAA guidelines and the California Fair Pay-to-Play bill. Within that framework, we are finalizing what I would consider to be an adaptive model that is always going to be fully compliant but also is realistic to know that like any venture you start getting feedback and learning from real-time experiences. So we're going to be adaptive and have the flexibility to be able to make improvements along the way to create a better experience for the charities and the players. Well, that brings me to my
0: last question is just where does it go from here? What's, what's the next step in the process? And I know you don't have a official launch date ETA, but just overall, where do you go from here?
3: We're well into the 20, the 2022 season. We're moving with disciplined urgency. Our goal is to be ready to go in the beginning of 2023. So we can begin benefiting USC football student athletes
4: that year.
0: Good deal. Well, well guys, I'll let you go on that. No, you have to run. I have to run, but I think that was a very insightful conversation and hopefully gives uh, listeners and USC fans a little more perspective on, on the whole operation.
3: Brian, appreciate the time and and thank you for the questions and questions. giving us this opportunity. Absolutely.
0: Dale, Bill, thank you.
3: All right, thank All right. you. Fight on, fight on.
0: And we thank Dale Rack and Bill Haddon. Enjoyed having them on. We probably could have gone even longer. We kind of had an hour time block uh, set off for that uh, on both sides, and I think we covered pretty much everything. But a good conversation. Good to hear them explain Uh, Things more at length. I hope that was uh, informational and and helpful to everyone listening. And uh, let's close that by bringing in some perspective from the other side and welcome in Michael Calvin Jones, CEO of Stay Doubted. Okay, welcoming back onto the podcast for the second time in about a month and a half or a month. Michael Calvin Jones, the CEO of Stay Doubted. of course Stay Doubted Boulevard being USC's NIL wing. Michael, how are you?
5: Doing great. You know, we're we're uh, football season is closely approaching, and and we're pretty fired up about that. So um, everything's good. It's it's ready to be fall again. It's been
0: a busy week, a busy month for you guys. You guys officially launched in August, and then obviously the reason why you're back on now this week. The news comes out in the L.A. Times of a attempt to launch a donor-led collective. I've got to start there. I want to get into where Boulevard's at, but I wanted to just start there with your general reaction to what this week has been like and how you digested that development, that news.
5: You know, we're always open to finding partners and people in the space that want to support and have the same mission as us, which is to support student-athletes. Um, you know we're friends with a lot of the people in the nil space and you know that's more than just collectives from agency partners to um, you name it you know we we are very close to a lot of them so it's not to us a surprise we want people in this space it means the space is maturing and um, you know we're always open to those type of people coming in and and supporting student athletes and providing them what they need well usc obviously
0: came out pretty firmly and strongly and and did not seem very receptive to the Student Body Right Collective. Does this mean that there's potential for you all to work together in the future?
5: I think we're always open to, to conversations, of, you know, and finding out what their intent is and what their goals are. And um, we all have the, have one goal in mind, and that is to um, make USC's NIL initiatives the best in the country, and, and that's what Boulevard is going to do. You know USC made their statement pretty clear in terms of their perspective of things, and um, you know we're we're very excited about our relationship with USC as their official NIL partner, and and we know that they um, they have their preference in terms of where, where fans will will you know donate and contribute and be part of, and that's just because that's I think you know, don't want to speak on their behalf, but that's where USC views um, the best in their interests, so. Um, you know Mike, Lincoln and, this, and the staff there have, have made that clear and, and we're respectful of that and, and we appreciate their respect towards our official partnership.
0: Lastly on that note, have there been any conversations between you and, and Dale Rec and that group or, or what has been the communication with them?
5: Yeah, we have not had conversations with with them since they announced their formal par- partnership for, for creating um, their entity. so that is not occurred now. But
0: but they had reached out to you before that. Is that correct?
5: Yeah, I had I had, did have conversations with Dale, and um, you know we we tried to to have conversations around what their vision was, and I think during those conversations they were still working kind of what out they they want to do and how they want to go about it. So um, you know it seems like they're starting to work through that in more detail. But at those times they were still very early on.
0: Gotcha. Well, i want to get the update on boulevard what's the, the fair way to say it I, I mean exactly how many days into official operation are you
5: so boulevard what i mean 45 days since we publicly announced or something of that nature um of course this has been in the works since you know lincoln arrived this was something that we had been working with lincoln on you know from in december um so you know, from a public perspective, we're, we're only 45 days in, but from a strategy perspective, we're six months in. And, and um, of course, any you, anytime you bring something publicly, you're going to, you know, listen closely. You know, people always say, like, if you are in the business sector, like, your best feedback that you're going to get is from your customers and from your, from, you know, in this instance, your members. So our team's done a great job at listening.
0: To that end, what has been the response so far and what have been the early returns in terms of, Donor interest, corporate partnership interest. I know it's, it's very early in the process, but to this point, what's been the, the the results?
5: It's been great. I mean, we've had a major turnout from from donors and stakeholders to contribute and support Boulevard. Um, we don't see that slowing down anytime soon. You know, I know the LA Times reported um, that we're we're looking to raise seventy five million dollars and. Um, we are well on that, that that way and we feel like that is something that we will accomplish and we're excited about that um, you know we have already official partnerships and official designations with multiple corporate partners that are going to be announced for Boulevard um, we have our content rolling out at the end of this month which athletes were able to be a part of and you should have seen how excited they were um, you know we've already worked with over half of the roster of football and, and almost five other sports. So a lot has been happening over those 45 days. Um, you know, taking on this type of initiative is not small in any means, and our goals are not small. But I think the team is executing every day, and that's what it's about.
0: Yeah, you referenced the $75 million. That, That's a goal over five years, correct? That is correct. So $15 million a year. and Why was that the target number, and then what does that – Allow
5: you to do at that point. We feel like that number gives us the ability to be competitive against any other program in the country um, in terms of how we support our student athletes in NIL. Um, and that number is not the top number. We're going to use you know a seven additional you know seven figure plus more in, in, in sponsorship value coming in from merchandise sales, group licensing, um, and a lot of direct to athlete representation opportunities. So we see the number growing into where athletes are seeing totally across somewhere in the 20 million plus range. And you said you
0: feel you're on track for that right now. Uh, the, the LA Times quotes you as saying that you're looking at eight figures plus annually. Is, is that a number that you're, that you're already hitting or is that a projection based on kind of extrapolation? Just trying to get a sense right for, for how you're gauging uh, where you're at on that track.
5: Well, I think you know the way that we gauge it is in terms of the conversations that we're having, and, and that is at a, a large scale, right? In terms of not just membership dollars, but also corporate partnerships and other things. But yeah, we're, we're as I said to the LA Times, you know, I'd obviously double down there and say that that is something that we are looking at eight figures, and we will uh, be deploying that here over the next kind of twelve months.
0: Another thing from that time story I wanted to reference and just uh, ask about was uh, the sentence that USC has already issued seven figure plus deals uh, in deals with Trojan athletes. Uh, That's that's kind of the the total you're at so far?
5: That is correct. Yeah, we've had, uh, we don't formally launch until the end of this month, but with any kind of major launch, um, we have pre marketing campaigns that are set and uh, we've already with the execute seven figures plus in in that category for our pre-marketing launch and uh, that number is just going to continue to climb as we're able to work with more of the athletes. Um, I think people thought our launch was 45 days ago, Now it was just the press release. The launch is still coming here in probably 20 days.
0: And and what changes with the launch? How will it be felt or, or seen when the official launch happens?
5: So there's still a lot to come. We have you know, a board of advisors that you know, you're know you going to see CMOs at some of the biggest companies, biggest entertainment. I mean, there's a lot coming on that side from our board of advisors. We're, we're proud of who's being willing to sit on our board. These are names that are at the C-level of, of Fortune 500, Fortune 100-type corporations. Um, and so we're excited about our board of advisors that will be announced, official designation partners across multiple sectors, Our content rollout. We have content with with 20 athletes that's going to roll out um, this fall that that you're going to start seeing some really fun stuff um, where these athletes were able to show their personalities. We're trying to build their brands, right? And and the cool thing about Boulevard is they're getting paid and they're building their brands at the same time. So it's a win win. Uh, We have Boulevard merchandise coming in. It's not just like a t shirt, we're talking about custom built material for your younger audience, right? That's gonna be something that you're gonna see in retail this fall, and proceeds from those sales go back to student athletes. Um, So there's a lot still in the works, and uh, we've kind of uh, stayed as a submarine, and and when we're ready to come out, we're gonna come. gotcha.
0: going back to the the seven figures plus uh, so far. Can you give us a general sense of, of where that's come from? Is that mostly private donations? Is that mostly corporate sponsorship? Is there a pie chart for that? (laughs)
5: <laughs> yeah, we, uh, you know, private donations is is on that eight-figure side of things. Um, that's that's really where our target is there, and our corporate is more in that mid-sevens. Um, so we keep those somewhat separate in terms of the way that we categorize them just because, um, you know, they are slightly different in terms of the way that our partnership teams kind of manage it. You
0: mentioned, I think you said, over half the football team is already involved at this point? Mm-hmm. What's been that process? What Was it a bunch uh, all at once or was it a few and then, and then the word spread and they're saying, you know, what well, this is actually pretty helpful and more jump on how that kind of uh, evolve or roll out?
5: Well, you know, we had to work through who, who was going to be part of our pre-marketing side of things. Um, we, we'll have the whole team involved by, uh, by the time we actually hit fall the only reason that we haven't got there yet is we just um you know we had to work through our pre-marketing launch so all athletes are going to be talked to and that's not just that football men's basketball and all sports um as we work into fall, we'll have um all athletes involved in some capacity
0: as you've gotten closer and closer to that official rollout to the submarine coming the surface uh what have you learned that maybe wasn't uh uh forecasted or or known
5: before you started the process I think the passion that we've seen, I think we knew that we'd set lofty goals uh, around the way that we wanted to, you know, drive our memberships program. We set lofty goals in terms of the way that we saw corporate partnerships and we are blowing those goals out of the water early. And, um, you know, you always go into a space as new as NIL. I think a lot of people think it's, Oh, NIL has been around. It's only been around for 13 months. So you you have to enter a space with caution and an understanding. We're planning, but we've really early on started to set a bar that that maybe we weren't even aware that would be there. That's you know a huge you know thank you to the USC fan base.
0: And now has have the membership uh, commitments started already, or is that start at the end of this month?
5: So our we've already worked privately with some of our key stakeholders um, at USC and with support of USC around where we wanted to, to look at that. But our, our public initiatives will start of this month. Okay.
0: And what was the, the response you got from the initial group that you targeted?
5: It, it's been really awesome to see. I'll, I'll say that. If, if USC's fan base could see some of the stakeholders that have their names on USC buildings, that have um, deep legacies across USC and the amount of support that they're coming with, Uh, people would feel really excited about the future. And and that's why Mike Bone, Carol Fold, um, Lincoln Riley, Andy, you know, Lindsey, all of them are very excited. And why, uh, you know, Lincoln doubled down multiple times at media day because he sees what's possible. He sees the opportunities that exist and um, we're as excited as he is.
0: Has there been any – any frustration or misconceptions you've seen out there about boulevard and it's again people are rushing to conclusions and you're still in your infancy is there anything that's particularly uh, frustrated you that you wanted to correct
5: nothing frustrates us um what i would say is we understand them right and what we say is the best companies have a touch on their market and on their customer and we do too we're listening we see the feedback um, and we'll continue to adapt as we as we hear feedback. And I would hope that they would want us to do that. That's what a good organization is constantly doing. What I would say is, you know, I think that there's a misconception that all we're doing is representation for our athletes, and that's not entirely true. We're we're compensating our student athletes to promote Boulevard the brand, and we're doing that through our, our eight-figure memberships program. So we are driving significant dollars into that marketing initiative and and getting our athletes taken care of. So it's not just corporate sponsorships, it's corporate sponsorships and that. Um, And the other thing I would say is that, you know, people get confused. Oh, they're a media company. What is all that? And that just allows us to be able to operate with national Fortune 100 companies. And that's a huge benefit. I think that they don't understand that these Fortune 100s, we have one of ours that's going to enter the space with 55 million dollars into collegiate athletics here in the next couple of months. That is bigger than any. I mean, that's that's 75 percent of our entire raise goal for memberships, right? Mm-hmm. And you know, does USC get all 100 percent of that 55 million? No, they don't, right? But if we, as a entity that's helping guide them, can move 5 percent allocation, those are significant dollars. Um, and, and we're working through those things. So I would tell people that, you know, the, the space is maturing and the very basic one oh one collective will evolve and don't get confused or, or concerned if you're on level two and a lot of people are still at level one.
0: I, the, the term, uh, I think you used the term collective plus earlier this week in another interview, uh, can you kind of elaborate on that and why that's a fitting description of what you guys are doing?
5: Because we, we operate the same way every other collective does in terms of, and I'll say this clearly, if, if your idea is, hey, I define a collective by paying potential student-athletes, we're not a collective. If you define yourself as a collective in terms of, hey, you know, bringing stakeholder dollars together, donors, boosters, dollars together, and deploying that to student-athletes, we do that through our memberships program and arguably have as big of one as anybody in the country. So, but on top of that, there's no other collective in the country that would sit there and say we're also bringing in you know, mid-seven figures and other dollars to our student-athletes. They're 100% dependent on their booster base. It's, it's a big part of ours, but we're bringing in just as much to our student-athletes in other ways. So we call that a collective plus, and that's a newer term. Again, that's an adaption. When we first came out, we said, hey, we don't, we don't want to associate ourselves with the name collective because it's so negative, um, but we, we understood that that confused people. So we tried to, you know, adapt it slightly. Sure.
0: Sure. That makes sense. With, with the corporate partnerships and that kind of give, a, give us a glimpse into how you go about that. Is there just uh, endless effort reaching out to potential partners and trying to sell them on the vision? Or is it really uh, you've already pinpointed who you know you're going to work with and it's just trying to get the, the, the right deals and contracts done?
5: It's, you know, it's a little bit of both. Our team is constantly in conversation at the national level with our state Doubted, um, and we're hearing from them what their interests are. And, you know, a lot of our clients have big national campaigns taking place, but they also say, hey, I want to work in the L.A. D.M.A. I want to reach those L.A. audience. And when we hear that at state Doubted, that team, you know, that partnerships team passes it over to the Boulevard team and they take it the distance. So that's the benefit of what a little bit is we're tapped into a lot of us We have 13 Fortune 100s on our client roster. So, um, and plus a, a multitude more on the Fortune 500 and Fortune 1000 list. And they, they, LA is a big audience for, for people to reach to. And, and that's been great. And, you know, I'll touch on this. One thing that we've done is we've, we're continuing to get even more um, efficient. And we've been able to move to A 95.5. So 95% of every membership dollar is now going to student-athletes in the form of NIL benefits or services. And that's one of the lowest percentages in the country for any other collective. So you're getting the power of a 30-plus person media agency supporting it at a 5%, whereas a lot of collectives are 10 or 15% because of their overhead. And we'll continue to become more efficient and continue to drive even more to our student-athletes.
0: Was that a response to feedback you got from people or responses?
5: It wasn't as much, you know, I think it's coincidental that I think the people were like, hey, 15%, you know, and educating people that, hey, look around the country at all your big collectives that you like to talk about and go on their website and you'll see they say 10 to 20% or 10 to 15%. Or, like, I think people are shocked at first, but if they look at the terms of the, pretty much every other collective, it's, it's 15% and we were right in line. Um, but we took it as a challenge. We said, you know what, we're a big company, fine. If we want to get more efficient, we will, and and we have. And now we're 10% lower than most collectives are in the country. And, um, you know, we're going to be competitive. We're, 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 we're always going to be – I'm a former athlete. I played Division One football at Southern Miss, and I'm never going to take uh, something lightly.
0: Going back to where we started with, obviously, the the news that came out this week of the, of the donor-led collective trying to start up, and I'm sure you – you digested what was put out there is there anything that you wanted to counter or correct from what was kind of thrown out there by that side of things
5: you know the one comment that i mentioned to the la times that i felt was uh, unfair to, to characterize about us was that we weren't open to partnering um and that's not true we we extended our arms before that launch um, but the hang-up was that they said hey if you're associated officially with usc we don't want anything to do with that we don't want to be associated with USC. Um, and when we hear that, um, of course, like, we are USC. We believe in USC, Lincoln Riley, you know, the leadership team on the athletics department side. And that's just not something that we're going to work with. So, unfortunately, we couldn't work with them because that was the, the parameters. It's not that we um, wouldn't have. It's just they don't want, and they made it clear in the only times, they, they didn't want association with USC. And we are the official partner of USC. And, that gives us a lot of advantages. We get to work with Lincoln. We talk with Lincoln. He can't facilitate or solicit opportunities for our student-athletes, but we work with Lincoln and his staff. We work with you know, Andy. We work with Lindsey on, on the NIL landscape. And, and when people see what Boulevard is doing, they will win in the recruiting the legal way. We don't need to do that. We can show people the case studies of what our student-athletes are making and and we can work with lincoln to help them you know let lincoln speak to those things you know we don't need to do it and we are protecting the university and i'll say this i think one thing that you know if there's an opportunity there's a lot of education that needs to get done around um, the the risks associated with the university if if a booster if we boulevard were to make a mistake usc would be held responsible we're official partner but even if we were not an official partner of usc Institutions are held responsible to manage their boosters. If at if, if any way they were not to step in and, and help and make sure that their boosters don't make a mistake, there's a lot of opportunities to make that. It's a very cloudy space. USC can get held responsible and it's not worth it. USC doesn't need to take that risk. Um, we should never take a risk of that nature. USC is too big of an institution to, to allow that to happen.
0: I think you're right there's a lot of education that needs to happen a lot of just understanding and and I don't know that I fully understand all of it so I'll ask you a question right now that uh, I'm sure a lot of my listeners share explain the difference between what allows you to work with with Lincoln and have conversations with him and what would not allow other organizations to be in contact with him if they're serving kind of the same cause.
5: Yeah, so we're so there's a difference of uh, since as an official partner, we're able to work directly with, and we're, we're approved by the university, and we are have a lot of reporting guidelines that we can provide to the university. Um, there's a huge benefit to that. We can speak with Lincoln, we can speak with Andy, we can speak with Lindsay, we can speak with their staffs. Right. The difference is is Lincoln Riley won't and can't uh, say, "Hey, Mike, I need you to go and get XYZ player fifty thousand dollars." That's not going to take place, right? Um, But we can speak with Lincoln regarding his needs, where things are at, how we can support him. Um, We can help educate them on what their players are receiving um, and kind of work through those mechanics. Other people, um, you know, open themselves up to risk because the university uh, doesn't have the the oversight and compliance aspect to it. You know, there's, there's a lot of things. There's the NCAA there's this California state law and USC's NIL policy, and you have to abide by all three of those.
0: Very good. Uh, one more thing I wanted to clarify from, from the stories that came out this week, and it was a major uh, push by, by the collective group to say that uh, there was an initial plan that only 50% of donations would go towards uh, directed cause and the rest would go to a general, general fund. What was the reality there with your plan, and has it, has it evolved as a result of response from, from people?
5: Yeah, we're always adapting and finding ways to be able to work through that, and that 50-50 split is being revised. So, again, I, I hope people take, you know, there's been comments on like, oh, well, they didn't have a good rollout if they have to make changes. And I, I, I disagree. We had a great rollout if we have to make changes because it means people are talking and we can get feedback, and we can continue to enhance and we have a great partner in usc who's willing to say hey okay how do we get in the weeds and make this the best we can for student athletes like the fact that we are evolving shows that you have a usc and a state outed willing to get around a, a conference table and continue to adapt and become stronger
0: so so what, what is the new plan there in that regard
5: We haven't finalized full conversations, but that 50 50 is being completely, you know, reviewed and and changed. Um, and we're going to announce fully, um, what that looks like. We'll have opportunities for student athletes to, to our, sorry, we'll have opportunities for, for people to donate, um, directly to their specific sport based on their donor intent and where they want to send their, their funds. That will be an opportunity. Um, and, you know, for, for people that are looking for tax deductions, which is a big thing, you have an opportunity because there's a, you can write it through as a marketing expense and we can work with you individually on how you can structure that through your business.
0: And, and just to further clarify, in case anyone had a misimpression, uh, even with the initial plan, the 50-50, where was the other half? What was the plan for that? What was kind of the purpose of, of separating that money out and how you wanted to, to allocate it?
5: Yeah, I mean, it allowed us to be more adaptive. I think when people got confused is hey, 50-50, that doesn't mean the other 50% couldn't still go to football. Um, it just gave us the flexibility to be adaptive in terms of where it goes. And, um, you know, we, we heard the feedback. You know, for us, 50% went to a general fund. And out of that general fund, maybe maybe some of that still went to football and supported football's needs. It, you know, we're, we're going to be listening to these coaches, and we'll continue to get – better and better at how we address we want to win national championships at football at basketball I mean in every major sport and you know all the women's beach volleyball I mean, we want to win them all so like we're gonna be fair, thoughtful but now we have an ability for donors to be able to support hundred percent of where they want it to go. for sure a question
0: that came up from our audience our subscribers after the first podcast was that stayed out it works with other universities obviously Boulevard is USC specific StayDoubted has partnerships all over. How, how does that work with uh, determining how to allocate corporate partners and, and how to serve all the different uh, school partnerships that Out has?
5: Yeah, I mean, to, to be honest with you, it's no different than Learfield, right, or PlayFly, right? Yeah, USC's PlayFly has multiple school partners as well. That's not unusual as this space matures. You have national companies like StayDoubted come in. The way that we handle it, just like Learfield, PlayFly, all those do, is we have uh, direct teams that only work on Boulevard, and their entire vision and their support and they're defined by success is how Boulevard operates. Our national team listens to our clients. You know, we don't dictate if they want to get into the LA market. They know that they want to get into the LA market, so that's going to be an already pre-chosen area for their spend. Um, you know, if, if there's not going to be a lot of times where it's like, hey, we could advertise to LA or we could advertise to Oxford, Mississippi, and we don't work with Ole Miss, I'm not saying that, but I'm just saying for example um, that doesn't really occur at the national level, but it's no different than Altius, who's a current partner of USC, Playfly, who's a current partner and we all have multiple schools, but there's ways to do it, and, and, it, and it, honestly it, it's, it's a win-win for everybody you want um, as much national work as you can
0: yeah, no, it makes sense, I just wanted to uh, it was asked to me a few times. I didn't have a good answer, so I wanted to let you, you answer it and you did a good job there. Uh, two last questions for you, Michael. If if this uh, student body right collective presses on and comes to fruition and does their thing, how problematic is that for what you're trying to do in terms of targeting some of the same donors and, and USC supporters for involvement?
5: You know, it's hard to, to guess what the, the, it could be. I don't know if the right word is problematic, um, but you know as long as you know they're doing it in a way that's that's in the best interest of the university and the student athletes that's all we can ask you know like you know we obviously have our own personal concerns around the 501c3 status our legal team did not advise that for us we looked at it deeply we we, we have one of the best lawyers in, in the country that represents us and darren heitner and he he represents pretty much every major nil initiative that you can see he yeah. has hands on and we have one of the top accounting firms that's worked through it as well. I mean, we're backed by one of the biggest banking investment firms. Like, we've had the best in, in the biz on their eyes on how to structure this. The 501c3 status is concerning for us, um, but that's not, that's not our call. We, we wish them nothing the best in terms of that, but it's hard to, it's hard to, hard to tell, and, and all we can ask is that they do it through the right means and don't put the university or the student-athletes at risk.
0: Last question for you, just as you get closer to this Formal formal uh, official rollout or, or, or launch date or however you want to term it. What are your days like? Uh, leading up to it out for now car things just kind of paint the picture for us behind the scenes.
5: I Will say it's it's been fun. Um, there's a lot of dinners a lot of meetings a lot of zooms a lot of education um, we're talking to people that have significant investment and passion for USC and this is their first time being able to support student athletes directly in this way and we're helping to educate them, and they're excited about it. Um, our content team is, is cracking through our post-production process right now. Our athlete relations team is working with our athletes on some really cool stuff that you're going to hear about this fall for our student-athletes. Um, our partnerships team has more amount of partnerships flowing through that door than you can imagine. So the agency is, is feeling, the, feeling the fire, and, and we're excited. And, you know, and I tease that, you know, we are – less than 10 days away from a pretty big announcement um and less than 15 days away from you guys seeing some really cool stuff so like be on the edge of your seat it's coming and and when you see it you're gonna be like wow i now see what they did for the last 45 days
0: really good stuff uh busy days for you we appreciate you fitting us in here thank you very much michael
5: of course thanks so much ryan
0: All right, that is our show That is our show Thank you again to Michael Calvin Jones From Stay Doubted Who has uh, always been uh, readily available To us and very helpful with us Thank you to Dale Bill Haddon From Student Body Rights Who have also been very helpful uh, Since uh, coming onto the scene this week And thank you to Ryan Karchi from the LA Times I'm just going to leave it Let their words kind of speak and resonate For for the listeners And I'm really curious to hear how people process all that And and what they think coming out of that Uh, So please join us on our Trojan Talk message board And join the discussion that will surely ensue As people get a chance to listen to this podcast It's going up on Sunday morning uh, But you can listen to it whenever you want And the conversation will be there and ongoing And if you're not part of our Trojansports.com community Give us a chance. Get involved. It's, it's the start of the Lincoln-Riley era. I mean, this is fun stuff. We're going to have great content every day, a lot of unique, exclusive content coming that we kind of stockpiled over the summer uh, and wanted to, to save for kind of our big rollout before the season. So it's a great time to join the site. We'd love to have all of you. Um, thank you for listening, and we'll be back with you with another podcast football-related uh, before long. Thanks.